Steve. Hey, Chris. So let's talk about E3. We got a lot to talk about. So Electronic Entertainment Expo. You were about to respond, but I didn't give you time. That might be a pre, like a prophecy of tonight. So we're just gonna move through this. We're gonna hit it hard and, and hit, hit it fast. fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably pathetic. I don't know. Um, so oh, first, before E3 began, because uh, E3 is technically Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week, mm-hmm. but it always starts during the weekend because everyone's got their press conferences. They want to beat everyone to the punch, let you know what you're going to be playing throughout the week. But things were even a little different because it started last Thursday-ish, even before then, because like last Wednesday, because uh, THQ Nordic had announcements they were doing, right. um, and Google Stadia had their conference or stream about streaming. And well, Bungie had sort of like some big announcements beforehand too. We're not going to talk about Destiny this podcast. We are not going. We okay, got we enough. Don't, we, we don't things have. We to don't talk have time to talk about Destiny. I was just saying, like, it's like Black Friday, right? Where they keep on. Now it's like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, soon, before you know it, every, all the stores are going to be open at noon. It's Black on November on Thanksgiving, and you know this it's is, Black November. Yeah. It's just the whole month. Um, but uh, THQ had like three announcements. One of them was actually relevant to my interests, and the other two were kind of confusing. One of which being a remaster of SpongeBob Square's Pants Battle for Bikini Bottom, which evidently people wanted. People have this... I, I do not understand the affection people have for Spongebob. Me neither. Which I just, allows us to move on. Uh, the third announcement was a remake of Destroy All Humans, which is curious, and especially because the trailer had, like, Rammstein to it, when part of the gimmick is 1950s alien invasion horror. I mean, it'll so, be, like, 1990s alien invasion. No, it's still 1950s. It's a complete reboot. So it's kind of weird. A little anachronistic. The one that got my interest was Darksiders Genesis. If you listen to the podcast, you know I am a big fan of Darksiders. And this one is technically a spinoff. It's not Darksiders 4. It is a spinoff. And it seems to take place before war does all the Dust things in Darksiders Genesis. Because it, the main character is Strife. Like He's the main focus of this, it seems. But War is a second playable character, and it's an isometric game. It's kind of Diablo-esque, but you have the platforming still. War looks like he gets all of his moves from the first game. So, you haven't gotten to watch the trailer yet? No, there's a bunch of trailers I need to watch. I'm behind on trailers. You know what? I'm pretty sure I posted it to Google Hangouts. You did. You did, and I looked at it and I said, look at all these trailers. I'm so (laughs) far behind on watching all the trailers. So, it, it, it is... It, 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 this one's being done by Airship Syndicate, and if you don't know, Airship Syndicate is made up of a few people from Vigil's, Vigil Games, the original team that did Darksiders, while the other key members went to Gunfire Games. So, basically, THQ Nordic is getting both of the original creative teams to do their own take on Darksiders in their own way. As the series goes on. So I kind of like that. It keeps Darksiders as a more active IP. And uh, yeah, I'm actually very eager to see what they do with that. And as I said, Google Stadia did their thing and I'm not interested. I think it's funny how we come post full circle. Especially with something like Darksiders. Where you had, you know, in the 90s into the 2000s, you had a lot of isometric... Uh, RPGs and action games. So we had a lot of isometric action adventure, RPGs, etc. And then we sort of moved into the full 3D realm. And you can yeah. see where something like Darksiders obviously owes some of its DNA to Diablo. Um, and so it's funny just coming well, by back... Well, by Darksiders or, too, yeah, but... There's a little bit of... Right. And so then you're coming back around... I mean, even aesthetically, to, to some degree. Okay, yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see you know, where there's there. there's definitely a lot of evolution that happened. But you know, we're coming back around, and we got a, an isometric. So that way, we can't talk too much about that. Otherwise, we'll be here all night. Yep. Um, you know, as I talk about the evolution and de-evolution of Legend of Zelda with Rhythm of Hyrule, Cadence of Hyrule. Cadence sorry. of Hyrule. <laughs> 
Oh, no, no, no. We're going up now. Oh, we're going up. We're going up. Oh, we're going back up to the top. Oh. Now we're going up. Because so I, we're going to end. We're going to end strong. I thought I was giving I thought I was giving you a seg there. Into, no, into, you weren't. But it, it is. It is uh, if it you want to hear about Nintendo, skip to the end. Now we're going to talk about. You might even have to do the two. Uh, all of the more core. like All the stuff that's a lot less interesting. Um, gaming stuff. EA had a bunch of stuff. Anthem was absent. Any actual new announcement was absent. Evidently, they're making a new Need for Speed, but that was absent. EA didn't show a lot, and they were forgoing like the typical conference to just focus on gameplay. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Did you get to watch the gameplay? Yes. Now, a lot of people have been responding negatively, and I want to be a bit of devil's advocate, because I don't think we got to see a lot of the good stuff. But that's also because I feel like this gameplay demo was just showing you basic mechanics and stuff. Right. And it's a shame because uh, they were sort of like talking up. I was like, yeah, we had one of our expert players uh, record this demo. And it's like, yeah, they're not doing anything expert. In fact, they look like they're kind of bad at the game at points. And so it's... I wonder how much of its DNA it shares with the Force Unleashed games. Did you ever people play bring those? that up. A lot of people are actually like setting Jedi Fallen Order. They have said that they've been looking at uh, like Shadow of Colossus. They've looked at. They have mentioned looking at Dark Souls. They've looked at all kinds of major games over the past several years. But they're trying to kind of do their own. They they mentioned looking at Metroid. So they're grabbing all kinds of influences. But it does seem like they're trying to do their own thing because like there there seems to be a sort of um. Uh, fatigue gauge or stamina yeah. meter or something like that. So right. it doesn't seem like you could just keep pounding out. Well, that's uh, that's like I was just I recently went back because on PlayStation Now to play the Forced Unleashed Two, which I never played. Did you play ever play that? Uh, the first of, one was bad uh, enough. I like the first one. You're dumb. Um, <laughs> I, I have taste. The but so so there are a lot of similarities, right? Where you have. The combat re- requires you to mix up lightsaber combat and force abilities. You have a force stamina gauge, so you can't just be like always doing stuff. It looks like Fallen Order is a little bit more inventive than just you know force push, force grab. Um, they want you to use the force em- use it on the environment and places. They want you to yeah. use it in combat. Like yeah. there is one instance where you're where he seems to slow use force slow on a laser beam. Like how Kylo Ren did in Force Awakens, and then he grabs a stormtrooper and walks him into the laser beam. So it does seem like that's, yeah, that's that kind of stuff is a little bit more. It, it, it was it feels, but to me, I'm kind of seeing an evolution of the Force Unleashed. Um, I mean, I guess because they're both act third person action games with lightsabers, but that's where other people are talking like Jedi uh, Academy. So you you have people that are looking even yeah. older than Force Unleashed for. Where well, this can be drawn. I, I, so I played. I I played Jedi Academy. I played um, the Jedi Outcast. Um, I and again, I'm maybe it could be anything. I'm just getting the vibe stronger with specifically the Force Unleashed two. I don't know. I could be wrong. We should probably not talk about it for too long. Not too much longer. I will say also that because there are some people like, yeah, it's a really linear game, and it's like. It looks like they're intentionally not taking some of the beaten paths because there's one right. point in particular you see this like what looks like a glowing blue light pillar that looks to be leading somewhere and instead the 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 guy just goes and follows the story along. And that's the shame is by the end of it where you see a lot of enemies in one chamber and how you have to interact with all of them. It's like, oh, now I see how combat can be really interesting. How perfectly timed parry can really help out. Right. And other elements like that. And by time the demo was getting interesting, it feels like it's over. So I, this is a game that we're going to see more of before it launches in November. I think it'll probably be a lot of fun. That demo was just the basics. And as a result, we didn't really get to see... Like, like they didn't advertise it like Devil May Cry, where Devil May Cry is like, we're going to show you all kinds of really nicely cut action scenes of, like, yeah. advanced combat technique and everything. It's like, no, they're just going... They're just sitting there like, here's the very basics so you can follow along. And it 
guess a lot of people were like, uh, that doesn't look that great. But it's, it's actually, it's of the AAA games so far this sh the, uh, that I saw at E3, that's one of the top ones because it was actual gameplay, firstly. And also because it just looks like it's going to be interesting. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. So I'm, Me too. I'm, I'm, it's, it's high on my list. Again, I am. I was speaking well of the Force Unleashed when Chris is obviously wrong about that game. Uh, Such a trash game. <laughs> you're a trash game. It wasn't even said, good enough to complete it. I said, speaking of of top tier items uh, from from this from this E3 right now, uh, for me, and this is in, the, in our next section from Microsoft's presentation. So there's nothing that I'm more excited about at this E3 than Cyberpunk 2077. Was it Keanu Reeves? It was honestly like, no, but I, but also yes. <laughs> it's sort of like, so I'm excited for this game no matter what. I love CD Projekt Red. The Witcher 3 is, is in my top five all time games. Um, and Deus Ex, the original is probably in my top ten. If it's somewhere up there, it might even be. It might even push in my top five, depending on my mood. And what this feels like is the people who made The Witcher are making a modern Deus Ex. I don't know if that's the degree. Granted, well, I didn't see. They're, they're talking they about. They're talking more... about no kill paths. Okay. That the entire game has a no kill path, and that was something we knew. That you're you're doing. They showed a. Uh, I think this was behind closed doors. So I just read a description of it. I didn't see a video of it. Um, they like they demonstrated a like a hacker path um, through a mission as opposed to like a fighting path uh, and all this other stuff. So it it everything I'm hearing about this game, it's feeling very very much in the vein of. It's obviously it's it's modern. It's modernized. But a lot of these ideas are the same ideas as Deus Ex. You're modifying your body with the things that are going to improve your hacking, improve your combat, improve your stealth, etc. Um, and then you're you're, gonna, you're making sort of meaningful choices throughout the game, which affect how the game plays out. And then some of that's going to affect how the story plays out, where you know depending on taking a stealth route through this mission and doing a no kill might have effects on the way that people interact with you in later missions and things like that. So that's that's kind of what it feels like it's going to be. We'll get into a little bit later why I don't completely trust why people keep talking about what you can do. I'd rather wait. I'd rather Just go play the based Witcher. Off of what I'm seeing. You haven't played The Witcher 3. This is true. This is true. So you haven't played you haven't played a game that that literally lets you like this is I, I was kind of describing it to somebody. And we always got to talk about it. See, I didn't talk about Destiny. I'm talking about The Witcher. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like this is the closest thing to actual role-playing that you've seen in a in an, in an RPG like this. Where, where you actually get to make these little decisions and maybe it plays out really well. Maybe it spirals out uncontrollably and goes terribly and all this other stuff. Um... But it actually gets a role play in a world. Well, to that point... And so if Cyberpunk... And no, no, to that point, because one yeah. of the reasons I would be excited about this is because the original creator of the Cyberpunk 2013 tabletop role-playing game, Mike Pondsmith, I believe is the original creator. He was at least a major hand in it, and they've got him heavily involved in Cyberpunk 2077. He's been involved since the beginning. Um, he's evidently on a, like, during E3, he's been doing a lot of conversations about it. So, you got the creator of this franchise, which a lot of, I feel like a lot of video gamers don't actually know. It's like, yeah, this is yeah. based on the tabletop yeah. game, but... And Witcher was based on the book. The but of it, it, it's got that person's involvement, and as a result it's like okay so this person's not only got a hand in the vision the aesthetic of it the the, the identity of it they've got a heavy hand in what the narrative is going to be so in that regard it's pretty cool and of course they're going to try and get those tabletop roots by trying to give you those options i do wish there was a bit more gameplay on offer at the presentation rather than a cutscene. 
But that actually goes into my point, which is I would have started with the Outer Worlds, because that's where they began. And I think, for me, that set the tone of Microsoft's press conference. Because if you go back and watch the original announcement trailer for the Outer Worlds at the um, Game Awards, it's a bit more lighter in tone. It still illustrates the same points, like there's... Uh, you're, you're this new stranger in there that's be that, that's in this series of worlds that are very corporate run kind of a thing and you have a lot of choice that you can play how you want and who knows how things will turn out but that the tone of that was very fun very lighthearted gave it an identity whereas the trailer here, has a narration and soundtrack that gives it this very serious tone that's often clashing with the visuals and yet also feels extremely focus tested. And that sterility of focus testing is what I think really pervaded the press conference for me. Yeah, a lot of the reactions I was seeing from from people who play video games but don't religiously follow every update, uh, you know, they're not constantly refreshing Eurogamer or something like that. <laughs> um, that is, a, oh, it's Fallout in space. Which I think we, is going to be the worst setup you can have because it's not going to be nearly as big as the, right. the latest Fallout games. And and so, I th and that kind of also just, yeah, it feels like it's, it is the presentation, the Outer Worlds sort of lost something that sort of like, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I mean, it looks a lot more plain. Like, I was yeah. watching the trailer, I'm like, am I not as fired up for this game as I thought? But I watched the original trailer, and while, granted, that original trailer isn't great itself, it's like, but this actually has some, like, this has an element that put it on my radar. Whereas the one that they opened with didn't. But even that, like, that's the thing. Like, you see a story trailer for Cyberpunk because you're not going to have drop frame rates for that. You're not going to have yeah. potential glitches. You get a slick cut trailer with snippets of gameplay but no real gameplay with the big moment being we have a celebrity on stage and with like they had the Forza game with a Lego thing with yeah. we're going to have a Lego car on stage. You have Gears of War where we're going to have the camera go under the stage. And we and got wrestlers playing the game, but we're not going to show you the footage. Okay, so this is, and this is to me, why Cyberpunk was the highlight. Because how are you going to top Keanu Reeves on stage? By actually showing the game? Well, other than actually showing <laughs> the game, how do you, like... Like all those other things you mentioned, Lego race cars and and wrestlers playing the game, whatever else. Even they show the the footage. You, you know just, how you top it? Did you get to watch the Ghostwire Tokyo presentation for Bethesda? Oh, okay, okay, she was awesome. That Japanese woman was the best. I wish I remembered her name off the top of my head. That was that was great. Okay, she's fantastic. But and either way, like basically, they're the wholesome pair of E three this year. Oh yeah, but it's also, but it's like. So she was just, she was just great, but if you're going to do a stunt, she wasn't a stunt, she was she just wasn't like... She wasn't a stunt, she was just great. She was just great. Um, like bring somebody, it out, somebody must read. have interacted with her in a, in a meeting and been like, you know what, we love you, we're putting you on stage. We're putting E3. you on stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, but seriously, all this other stuff. Like, I Have you seen there's a picture of her like where she's just like sitting in a room with a shotgun over her shoulder? Oh no, I think I did see that. Yeah. Like this is the most, like this is, like, and she talks about, um, like, her nightmares. It was like, ever since I started working for Shinji Mikami, I've been having nightmares. Not, like, ones where I die. Ones where I come to the office and my boss is dead. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, anyways. So, so what, else, I mean, what else is on here from Microsoft? Gears uh, 5? Well, I wanted to bring a note of Bleeding Edge because this is... I'm having mixed feelings. Because it's Ninja Theory and they're trying to get into the Overwatch kind of market character multiplayer game all kinds of diverse characters they at least have death metal man represented but it's also action melee combat so it's differentiated in that way but it's not like f normal fighting game 
action melee combat. It's like, what if you turn Devil May Cry or Bayonetta into a multiplayer game? Four versus four. And I'm curious, but not enough to buy an Xbox console curious. I'm, I'm not. I'm not that curious. Really? Any, any reason that you're... <sighs> I... I, I guess what it is, is I look at Ninja Theory, I look at a company that's that's created these sort of, these great narrative experiences, and so when you tell me Ninja Theory is making a, I'm like, yeah, yeah, what are they making? A online multiplayer character hero action game. And I just, they just deflated. What if I told you... Because it's funny you say about narrative and stuff. This is the combat designer of DMC Devil May Cry, which arguably had one of the worst stories Ninja Theory ever did. I, I did not know that, and that's interesting. Because, right, Ninja Theory games have also had great combat. Uh, I think Heavenly Sword and was never particularly well received. I think that has just amazing, fluid combat. Um, right, DMC. And you and me always like DMC's kind of. Oh, yeah, we did as well. Um, so I can. That maybe, but it's still, it's just like. That's not what I came here for. Like, and I'm not sure, it's just not. It's like. It's like I went to an Italian restaurant and they didn't have any pasta, they only had cheeseburgers. Yeah, and maybe it's a great cheeseburger. <laughs> like, the chef is amazing, let me tell you. But it's like, there is but a, he made a specific dish, kind of dish in mind. And, and, and that's kind of that's where I'm at with that. Um, uh, the only other thing, like, I, everything else for me is like mostly minor notes. Like, again, Gears 5, they showed the escape mode cinematic trailer. And then they were like, go watch on Mixer if you want to watch these people actually play the mode. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I <laughs> yeah. want you to show Please? me. In the exact amount of time you showed me that trailer, you could have at least showed me an edited selection of clips to illustrate how this plays. But nope, they had to show this. And, and Halo, Halo Infinite told you absolutely nothing about it. Halo Infinite confused me because it looks exact. It looks like Halo Four again. Right. It's like, wait, it's like, what happened well, to I Halo 5 that Chief is in space again? I don't know, because we don't have Xbox Ones. I, Cyberpunk is making me want an Xbox One X. I can't see that running well on my base model PS4. It'll be fine. I'm going to get an Xbox One X refurbished at some point, I think. I, I, maybe but, I'll do the same. But then I'm also like, if the new thing is going to be backwards compatible with everything ever. Oh, the new Xbox? Well, uh, both Microsoft and both Microsoft and Sony gotta convince me I need to buy, spend five hundred dollars on a new console, and Microsoft's reason is cloud gaming. No, I don't want to. Uh, so Sony at least is going to try and sell VR to me, as well as cloud gaming. But hopefully they'll be like first party titles you actually care about. What? So, I've actually... Have you played any of Sony's VR? Nah, not Sony. Okay, I have. And what it basically feels to me like is the Wii. It feels like the Wii, like playing Wii Sports, is like the same... Okay, let me see if I can cut you off at the past, because I've already talked to... I've described this to people. Some people tell me I'm crazy. I did try the HTC Vive... At the Microsoft Store in King of Prussia. And the best description I have for it is you... And there's also like a VR cafe in uh, Glassboro that I went to for my niece's uh, birthday. And in both instances, same experience. Feels like they took the Wii nunchucks, but then they took a Nintendo 3DS and strapped it to your face with a 3D on. Well, including the gyroscope feature of the 3DS. It's two Nintendo technologies amped up in the hardware requirements and shoved right in your face. Right. That so, is my impression of VR. So I didn't actually get to play anything interesting, but it just the, that's what the technology felt like to me was was that it was on the level of the you know Skyward Sword or something like that, where like look now you're playing a Zelda game. But you're swinging your Wii nunchuck to swing your yep. sword. 
that's kind of that's kind of where I feel like it's at. Um, so no, there can be cool experiences. I, I know. I'm also, I would say I'm also at the point though where I bought my. It's been five years since I bought my PS4, uh, and so I'm kind of like you know like buying a console once every seven years, six, seven years. Six or seven, yeah. It's been five and a half years, actually, at this point, because I bought it in 2014. I don't remember when I bought mine. Oh, so it's been about five, yeah. But so anyway, so I'm kind of, I'm somewhere in there. So if it's, if it's six years in between console purchases. I look at it this way. When Yoko Taro announces a game for the PS5, I'll finally jump into the next generation. There you go. Yeah, but probably- It's gotta be something like that. I'm not hyped for it right now. Yeah, Project Scarlet did nothing for me because they were I like, need a 4K- we got hardware! I need a 4K TV anyway at some point. Yeah, well, and they're trying to say 8K! 8K exactly. I guess so, I'll skip 4K. Um, Alright, so Bethesda, Ghostwire. Um, you didn't even want to talk about Tales of... Because, okay, I'm just going to make this it's note. Like, but it's like, it's, Hold on, I'm just going to make this note. I woke up during the press conference when Fantasy Star Online 2 was on screen, and I was like, wait a minute, they're bringing it over? They're bringing it over, but of course it's cross-platform, so that's not exactly points for Microsoft. And then Tales of Arise, also cross-platform, which looks really nice. But th- basically, I, that's where I woke up. I feel like I, I was I've, falling asleep, and then I woke up. I've played a couple of Tales games, and I can't tell you anything about the game um, other than that it exists and it was an RPG. Sounds about right. Um, and so I'm just—I can't really get that. Like jazz Tales of Symphonia, right? Like, yeah. Like if I had uh, Tales of Zillia and Tales of something else, um, and then a couple of those adjacent games, like one of the like Alchemist games. Anyway, but so as a sort of thing where like, if I had tons of time to always be playing new games, and I love JRPGs, you know I love JRPGs, then I would be excited, okay, cool, it's a new Tales game, it's something else that'll be cool and, and well produced and well put together, but just in my current level of existence, it's just not really that interesting to me. But yeah, moving on to Bethesda, there was that one guy that was hyped for every... I feel like they got people that wanted to overcompensate for all of the bad news and press uh, Bethesda got for Fallout 76. Right down to the guy cheering even for Battle Royale. In Fallout 76, where anyone that wants to do PvP moved on to another game because it's not worth it. And everyone that stayed behind just wants a single-player Fallout experience. Maybe to free. the point that they added human NPCs, when canonically it's supposed to be too soon after the bombs fell or something like that. I, I'm, like, just, it's, I'm just, I just think they need to just. This is the see. This is the problem with with the, with these giant, always online games as a service type things. Is they're not Destiny. Well, one, they're not <laughs> Destiny. Two. They're too big to fail, right? Like, so, Anthem... <laughs> I mean, we'll see, because <laughs> that roadmap like, they don't got know, they scrapped. Don't know what, they don't know what to do. That roadmap got scrapped. Right, the roadmap got scrapped. But it's sort of like, when it does fail, then it's just like, it gets put on life support, and they just are doing whatever like they can to keep it alive. So I feel like Fallout 76 and Anthem are the two biggest examples of this, where now Anthem's, I haven't played it, but from everything I've heard, it's a dead You mean game. since the beta? You played the beta, right? I played the beta, but I haven't actually played it yet. Um, it's, a, it's apparently just a dead game. There were a lot of people hyped at launch, and it died. Well, the latest announcement like didn't hype anybody up, especially because they're evidently not fixing loot at all. Like, right. everyone was asking about, well, are you going to fix how loot works? And they kind of brushed it off in the Twitch right. chat. And, and I, I, I've kind of been following the, the Anthem Get Dead Credit uh, subreddit. And, which, anyway, so Fallout 76 just falls into this, too, where it's just, like, when you can't do anything to maintain your player base. So if, take something like Destiny. Destiny has half a million people playing every day. Um, then you go to... Say the Division One, which I know is done now, but even toward before Division Two launched, I was looking at player numbers. You had in the five to ten thousand player range every day, and and that was a couple years on. When you're Anthem or Fallout seventy six, and that's where you are, 
now you're, you've got matchmaking problems, you've got, you, people can't play the game, because nobody's playing the game. Yeah. And how do you, what do you do? You just invested like a billion dollars in well, this. The other problem. You had a Battle Royale mode. Watch, watch, Anthem Battle Royale is coming next. You know what, I won't be surprised. Even though it didn't work for Battlefield 5 at all. Um, but you know what? I also I don't, I don't know. Like I don't know how much longer we want to talk about this. I think the big one of the bigger issues of Fallout 76 was also the simple fact that even though it was very clear it was not a single player driven experience, people bought the game and still complained it wasn't a single player driven experience. Yeah. And they complain about how it wasn't like the other Fallout games. So I think what you're getting is this weird game as service model capitulating to this single-player driven audience and that's just kind of weird uh how that's like why would you play single-player games solo online i say playing destiny not wanting to interact with other people or right. having like stopped playing final fantasy 14 once they demanded i play with other people but no for me though yeah. bethesda was all about ghostwire tokyo even though again like the presentation was wonderful because of the uh the the lead designer uh, the creative director, rather, who has a background in doing creative art and stuff for Okami, for uh, Bayonetta, and for The Evil Within. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about her, and it seems like she's the sort of person that was uh, really talented and mentored by... Shinji Mikami. Yeah, Shinji Mikami. And so, like, now she's going to become another great... Yeah, um, artist in the industry, and I think you are seeing that a bit this year. You're seeing more developers that are younger generation starting to take over. Like again, the creative, well, the combat director of DMC is now directing her own game in Bleeding yeah. Edge, um, and in this case, Ghostwire Tokyo. Nobody knows what it is. The only thing you can give it is aside from the fact that it's a Japanese game, so already I'm giving it more cred. Um, <laughs> is that it has an interesting aesthetic. It looks like there's something about people just vanishing and what, honestly, like, the Japanese are so much better with narrative themes and ideas than we are and finding creative metaphorical ways to address, like, real life concerns that I'm interested in trying to figure out, okay, what are you trying to say with this game? Um, otherwise, it's all about Doom Eternal. Right. Like, everything else didn't exist. People were hyping up the mobile games. Don't you all have phones? Uh, yeah. But Doom Eternal. Like, it, it, but... And I think this also marks this E3, which is... Most of this is we've already known about. It's basically, here's a little bit more information and hype about right. a game that's we've, coming well, we got, sort of, We've moved into more of the 24-hour news cycle... Uh, in air quotes. And we're going to get all games. the announcements before E3. Right, with games. But we're, we're just also where there's just always news. Um, there's always something happening. And so and so we sort of get these drip feeds throughout the year. And then we get a, a little bit of a steady stream for a week at E3 that fills in some blanks. Fills up the cup, I guess you could say. But we already had the cup. It was, already had some water in it, and yeah. and now it just has more water in it, and and that's that seems to be and with a couple yeah. and with Doom Eternal, I'm actually really upset because it's like this is a game I've been wanting to play. Like this is like one of the last AAA Western games I'm really interested in. I'm really hyped for, and it's not coming out till November, and it's like you're gonna make me wait that long. Granted, when I look at what Nintendo's come got coming out for the rest of the year. That's almost a godsend. So yeah, Nintendo is killing it. I think are we gonna do? We're gonna have to do a, an entirely separate podcast just for Nintendo, aren't we? We might have to. I'm, I'm trying to make sure because like I'm looking at PC Games Show and it's like honestly, there's not much to say about that. About PC Remnant, the the Remnant from the Ashes. I mean, I I kind of want to be interested because it's Gunfire Games, four player co-op, but everything looks kind of like bullet sponges, and it's kind of funny because it looks like it's got so many shared assets from Darksiders 3. It's it's so much does, but it looks like an interesting game, and there's also Man Eater, the shark PG, where you play as a shark and you eat people and things. 
That's a very interesting idea to me. It looks fun, but... It's going to be a train wreck. The biggest... I mean, I feel like more people were probably interested in what it, it opened up with Evil Genius 2, where you play as the Bond villain, basically, and you try and kill all the heroes coming into your base. Um, more talk about Baldur's Gate 3, more talk about Vampire, The Masquerade, Bloodlines 2. I think my biggest issue with the PC game show was... They would show a good trailer and maybe they showed gameplay while asking random, uninteresting PR questions to the developer. So it was this constant period of interest sleep, interest sleep, interest sleep. Yes. And it's... it's That's fair. Which, I mean, it's it's still an improvement for PC game show given where it started. Um, and of course, there was a lot of distaste because... A lot of those games ended up being Epic Game Store exclusive on PC, but we're not PC gamers, so we don't have to care. Anyways. Anyway. Yeah, um, I don't care. Did you care about Ubisoft? Uh, no. The best thing I saw about it was someone made a Photoshop of a Cap and Crunch box, and it said, Oops, all Tom Clancy. <laughs> Um, I know a lot of people are walking away from this E3 with Watch Dogs Legion as this big, like, oh man, I can't wait for that. But I've, I'm sorry, I've seen too many Ubisoft E3 gameplay demos. It looked way too nice. It was flowing way too narratively coherently. Especially for a Ubisoft title, that narrative was too coherent. Um, <laughs> and the promise, like, especially because the promises. You can basically recruit and play as any NPC with permadeath and everything. And it's like, they're all going to be templates with the same voice actor. They're not going to have unique stories like this. Um, right. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's a cool hook. I haven't played an Ubisoft open world game since... Assassin's Creed Origins? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that was the last one I played. I never even finished that. But... So, I don't know. I could... At some point, I'll play another one. Maybe it'll be Watch Dogs Legion, but maybe not. No, the only two things of interest to me, and at this point, I honestly... I'm, I don't... It's so weird. I kind of don't want to give my money to Ubisoft more than I don't want to give it to Activision or EA. And, I, like, even e, like those companies, it's like, I wouldn't give them money anyway, except... Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Like, Respawn is the only reason I would give EA any money at this point. So, like, I just... Like, so they got Rainbow Six Quarantine, which I'm interested in because PvE, but at the same time, it's like... You know what? No, because there's plenty of other co-op games starting to come out at this point. Um, and then they had, what is it, Gods and Monsters, which is... Looking like their attempt to bring the Ubisoft for like for some reason there's something that gives off Breath of the Wild vibes. Oh yeah, that's right. I, mean, I, was, I was looking at Gods and Monsters. That's right. That's like the Greek mythology esque one. But it's basically a family friendly yeah. open world game that's, that's going to be built off Assassin's Creed technology. That's actually that's probably the one that I'd be more likely than than. Uh, but it was just a trailer, so you don't have any gameplay again. Yeah. Well, then again, I have to play Breath of the Wild for real, so. I might not want to play Breath of the Wild, uh, brand generic version of Breath of the Wild featuring Greek mythology yeah. instead of Zelda. Uh, so Zelda. Uh, more like I was one of those kids. I'm sorry. Um, so the last two press conferences honestly saved E3 for me, and it makes sense. It's this is kind of how it always is because. Again, like, I'm getting less and less interested in Western AAA games. That's most of what they show. And they all end up following some kind of formula or template that I'm not interested in. So at this point, like, what am I really interested in? A minor announcement about a new Darksiders game. I am interested in Cyberpunk, but it's like, I want, like, we don't have much more than last Play. year's gameplay. Play, Play Witcher 3. I know, I know, I know. And then you'll understand. Um, Doom Eternal, which I already knew much about. Like, there's just... There's not not much. Square Enix comes in. And firstly, I'm surprised that they have an, an actual physical conference this year. Because last year was just a stream. And they don't really have, like, the, the lead stuff here. It's three pillars. This this pre this conference is built off of three pillars. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy XIV Expansion Content, and Marvel's Avengers. Yeah. 
But that's the thing. Final Fantasy VII Remake, I was ready to write off. I am too close to the original game to view any narrative changes objectively. And this remake is going to be shoving Sephiroth in your face like George Lucas decided, you know what, maybe this series really is about Anakin Skywalker. The, the comparison right, is accurate, yeah. trust yeah, me. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I can see that. I, I watched all this first stuff. And then there's like, when you first meet Eris, there's this, she's randomly shouting, help me, help me. She grabs on and there's some mist and smoke around and it's like, what is this crap? And well, part of the reason is, well, because remember, this is an episodic remake. And it just came out today. Right. They don't know how many games this is going to be. Well, so, so, so what? So game one we're getting next March. We're getting nice parts, and it's just Midgar. It's just Midgar, so it's not even disc one. It's not even disc one. It's the first two or three hours of the game expanded to be full game size. So it's going to be like thirty to forty hours, and that's cool in a way. So I, I have mixed feelings about this because here's my here's sort of my take on Final Fantasy VII. I love this game. This game was a formative game for me, but at the same time. Looking back at it, I think one, it's the most artistic, it's, presentation wise, it's the most inconsistent Final Fantasy game. There yes. are essentially four different versions of each character. There's the TV version, there's the CG TV version, there's the battle version, <laughs> and then there's the, the CG, CG battle version. <laughs> and so you have this like, this huge difference in presentation between some of the Senate. Some of the big cinematics versus the exploration of the world. And even in the exploration of the world, you have these incredibly drawn backgrounds and everything else. And then you have these ugly ass TV characters walking around in them. And I always thought they were fine because they were fitting with Final Fantasy's aesthetic up to that point. And that's I miss the chibi characters. And that's that's true to some degree. And then but then so you also have a really bad translation. Yes. And so... so and so, that's all I really want, is the new translation. And so what, what I can see is that there's so much we missed out on. So to some degree, I can say this is the one that needed it. This is the one that needed a more cohesive, artistic, more artistically cohesive and more complete version. And there's always been rumors that, oh, this wasn't complete, this part wasn't complete, this was intended to be bigger. So, I'm a little bit excited to say, okay, maybe we actually get Final Fantasy VII as it was imagined, and not, I, I'm just hoping it's not, like you said, the George Lucas version, which it's is the not- the George Lucas version. Which is not how it was always imagined, but instead, how I changed my mind about it 27 times, and then finally- That's the version we're getting. I don't know. And I would not be surprised if Honey Bee Inn is no longer in the game. I kind of hope Honeybee in. I have mixed feelings. <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> um, but, but with that being said, so then we also have... Well, hold on, hold on, because I do want to say, because as I said, I was about to write this off. Okay, you're about to write it off. I, I was, was to write it off. already sold. Um, <laughs> then they did show the gameplay. They showed the gameplay with an explanation of how it works. And as I'm watching, I'm like, you jerks, I think this looks fun, with the exception of the first boss being an incredibly huge bullet sponge. Um, but I sword actually sponge? liked Sword Sponge. Well, I mean, Garrett's, Garrett's, Garrett's got Barrett's shooting at it and so, stabbing it. It's, I mean, the, the general idea, though, it's, it's taken too long to fight him and take him down. But it looks fun. So now I'm like, if I if I remove my thoughts on the story, this looks like a fun game to play, and I like fun games to play. Yeah. So I I gotta figure out a way to watch this and just remove my emotions of the story, or just be willing, just open myself up to the George Lucasing of it, the Lucasing in you. Lucasing in All right. So what else we have from Square Enix? Because this is clearly at this point, yeah. we have like ten minutes. Nintendo is going to be its own deal because we could talk about almost every item from Nintendo for like um, five minutes. For like five minutes, ranging from Luigi's Mansion yeah, we really to could. Damon X Machina, Astral Chain, 
Uh, and just some of the other announcements that came out of it. Yeah. Yes. So, all right, we'll save Nintendo for another time. So, let's, let's finish up Square Enix, though. All right, so do we want to talk about... All right, so... Final Fantasy... Though, again, this is like part of where it's like nothing new. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered. We knew about that. Yeah. We didn't get anything new. I don't think we even got a release date. Yeah. So, that's... Okay. I mean, the only question uh, I have at this point is, are you and me playing on PS4 because that's got better online communication options. Possibly. Um, and then, okay, so Dragon, Dragon Quest, Quest 11S, 11S, which they did show off more, especially during the Nintendo Treehouse, of how the two-dimensional stuff works. It's not a click and you're instantly in. It rewinds you back to the beginning of a chapter. So you have to play chunks of the game, technically, and you, ha you can only switch over during a save point. So it's kind of like you don't want to play the game going back and forth between the old old school 16-bit to the unless you unless you play like to a certain point, save your game in 3D, then replay it to see how it looks in 2D. But otherwise, it is kind of like they have a second game in there, and they evidently just for that 16-bit element threw in, pardon me, threw in. Um, like extra like little callbacks and missions to the prior games so dragon quest 11s is looking good i'm going to get it when it launches in was it september i think i think it's september so oh my god there's so much stuff coming out it's like august september i think you know i need like what i want from e3 is i want to hear them say you know what? we're taking a year off blow through your backlog and we'll come oh, back they're next never year. gonna do that i know they're never gonna do that but that's what i need uh, um, Outriders uh, was the newly announced game. It's by People Can Fly. If you don't know, People Can Fly. Were they the painkiller dev? I think they were painkiller. Also, Gears of War Judgment and uh, Bullet Storm. I know definitely because they advertised oh, yeah. the guys that made Gears of War Judgment, which Gears of War Judgment was a little weird because it's like you're trying to take the painkiller devs and make them make a game like this, but also Bulletstorm is definitively what they make, one of the things they made. Yeah, Bulletstorm. So they're, right. they're right. known for good, just plain fun shooters. And this is looking like a three-player co-op uh, shooter game. But again, it's very indistinct what kind of, a, like what the gameplay is gonna be. So who knows, people can fly though, so it should be interesting. Oninaki, I think we also got an August release date. So, I got, I got, I'm going to have so much stuff to play. Um, but that's looking good. It's got uh, fast-paced action combat. It should be... It, it looks like it has the potential to be the best we've gotten from Tokyo RPG Factory. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm enthusiastic as well. But then, oh, here we go. Some of the bigger news. The Final Fantasy VIII remaster. That's interesting. Because they don't keep the source code. That's the biggest reason that's interesting. They had to probably have done a lot of special work in order to get this thing to to, to, to live to survive yeah. now see i'm i'm weird because i originally played the pc version of final fantasy which 8. is probably where they're basing a lot of this yeah on. which so so at some point i went back and played the ps1 version and it's noticeably worse looking but it's not but it's not like the difference between the what the remaster looks like and the um, you know the the PC version. Um, so I'm kind of I guess I could use an excuse to play it again. I mean, I never finished it. Really? This is the game I tried four times, and every time I got to that basketball court, I was ready to throw the TV out the window. The basket, uh, where they're like, Oh, do you remember? I don't remember. We don't remember. Oh, we all know each other. This is so weird. Exactly. That's the <laughs> moment where every time I try, I'm like, Okay, I'm going to get through it this time. I'm going to go through it. But at that point, I'm so sick of the story that you get to that, and I'm like, No! No! No more of this game. But I want to give I it an honest try. You know now that I'm older, because I also, I mean, that's the thing. I, I've played enough of Final Fantasy IX at this point, and I didn't really care for that game either. Granted, I finished it, but I didn't care for that during the PlayStation era either. And now as an adult, I go back and it's like, man, this game was a lot better than I gave it credit for. You know, so, I, I was just thinking about with Final Fantasy VIII because of the remaster coming out. I think I love the, like, the whole idea of... Of cipher, 
and how, no, 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 hear me out, hear me out. So Cypher, it thinks he's the hero, right? Yes. So there's actually good elements of the story that I've heard. And, and it's not, but he's not. And I just think that's an interesting, like, that's always an interesting thing to me, is the guy who thinks he's the hero, but he's the villain. And what's and then what does gets even more interesting is in the in the ending of the game, and this is a major spoiler here for you, there's an implication that Squall, your main character, could essentially meet the same fate as Cypher. That he could find himself thinking himself thinking the he himself the hero as the defender of the sorceress, but in fact being the villain defending someone who wants to destroy the world. Anyway, so Final Fantasy VIII, play it. When it comes out later when this year, later this undefined year. time. And now, um, so now we've got Marvel's Avengers Stunt Double Edition. <laughs> yes, I've seen, yep, yep, yep. Uh, that picture I said, yeah, that, one of the best jokes of E3 so far. So far. Um, but it is funny because they're clearly going for off-brand likeness of the movie actors. And yet, like, as soon as you have Nolan North as uh, Tony Stark, it's like, this is way off. Um, <laughs> I think that's what everyone's been saying. It's like, okay, it looks cool. I love the idea. It's just, like, too close, but too... It's like the Uncanny Valley. It's Nolan like double... North is a completely different... Type. Granted, what you want to do is someone different than Robert Downey Jr. Because nobody can, like, you don't just imitate Robert Downey Jr. You'll know it's an imitation of Robert Downey Jr. Kind of like with all the cartoons, you know that's some black guy trying to be Samuel L. Jackson and just not living up. Oh, yeah. But with with this, though, it's because it's no, Nolan North's not trying to do an impersonation, but he can have some of that... Snark with the the, the conceitedness. Is he just basically just Nathan Drake. That's part of the problem, I think, because um, it's his default yeah. voice, oh, just yeah. like Nathan Drake is and his this, default. This is also voice. the problem: is, is it's like I think that's this is what is it's every major voice actor. Just about it's just about, three of the ma- most major three, ones: three Nolan North, Troy Baker as, uh, as 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 Hulk, and then you have Laura Bailey as Black Widow. Right. So you're looking at you're looking at Tony Stark, but not Tony Stark, and and Black Widow, but not Black Widow, and then you're hearing like Nolan North and Laura Bailey, who have been in so many things, and it's just like really messing up your brain. At the same time, I do think Laura Bailey is probably the best cast of those. Yeah. But that's also partially because, I mean, we already talked about it, I don't really think there is much to Black Widow like the other... Uh, well, at the same time, we've already seen Edward Norton as Bruce Banner and Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. So we've already seen two different kinds of Bruce Banner just in the films, in the MCU. So, I don't know. And, and I think that's where Spider-Man worked because they weren't... They went was, with a guy was, that just looks like Peter Parker. Right, he was just... He was Spider-Man. And we've also... We've had three different Spider-Mans. So you can just kind of like... Spider-Men. Spider-Mans. Uh, so you can kind of just four go Four if you count Enter the Spider... Well, okay. More five. than four if you count Enter the spider You have five Peter Parkers. Five though, Peter right? Parkers. There you, you got go. Chris Pine, Peter Parker. R.I. Peter. And you have Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson? B- Peter B. Parker, the character. I-, I don't know. I didn't know the actor's name. Yeah, yeah. But so he did a good job, though. Yeah. So you and then you have right. Then you got Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, um, and British Tom kid Tom Holland. Yeah. Why did I forget Tom Holland? The new Nathan Drake. We're bringing it full circle. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> My mind was just blown by that that circle. So anyway, so it's gonna be. I don't know. What is it gonna be? <laughs> Um, they did actually show gameplay, evidently, and it's a shame because, like, if you watch the layman gaming video, the guys have actually went to some of the Square representatives and were like, guys, you should have led with that. The conversation about this game would have been very different if you just led with the gameplay, but evidently frame rate stuttering and stuff like that, so they didn't want to show something to the public that was clearly not a final build, um, but it's... 
what they think is that opening mission, which you saw cl clips of, is the prologue mission. Because they're right. talking like this is a co-op game, any mission you can play four-player with your friends or something. That or it's going to be like... Because th there's no... It so, doesn't seem like there's confirmation because there are elements where they talk about it as a game as service. The first mission is clearly single-player because they have you bounce from each from character yeah. to character. Well, but that could just be the prologue mission like... Destiny 2, you have that prologue yeah. mission in the beginning. Say, is this Destiny 1, you had the prologue mission in the beginning. I'm wondering if this is just going to end up being Destiny, only instead of Warlock, Hunter, Titan, it's, you know, Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, and so on. And yet eventually, because they also teased, because they showed uh, Hank Pym in, in one of the video uh, clips in yeah. there. And at that point, it's like, okay, so Hank Pym's going to be there as a... Uh, downloadable character and they said all characters and regions are free there's no loot boxes there's no pay to win there's gotta be microtransactions of some probably different kinds of Iron Man or different characters right different movies. cosmetics and stuff different like cosmetics that. dances or whatever but it's like no one's sure if this is really a game of service I saw one headline basically saying this could fill the gap where Anthem failed ow uh, maybe because of the whole Iron Man comparison. Um, because right, where people were saying, oh, like, the great thing about Anthem is that you get to be basically be Iron Man, but then everything else sucked. And here's so, the game where you get to be Iron Man. Get to be Iron, you just get or to Hulk, be Iron Man. Or, or Black Widow. Or Thor. And because it, it looks like Cap dies in the beginning. He probably doesn't. He probably comes back. Um, otherwise, why would they make all that gameplay for him? But... Yeah. Regardless, uh, there's going to be additional characters. So is it a game of service? I don't know. That's part of the problem, is they announced this game, they showed a lot of yeah. cinematic... So, but, it sounds, but it's also not until 2020. It also sounds like it's not going to be the Avengers game, I imagine. So what I imagine was, make, make a Marvel Cinematic Game Universe, right? Where you make, like... A Thor game, and it's sort of like God of War style, maybe, where they at least combat, like the new God of War, basically. That's basically a. Th if you think you could reskin that into a Thor game. If I were the Marvel Games company, I would be going to Sony Santa Monica and be like, "Can you make a Thor mod of this?" Yeah, that's basically that's basically what it is. The Thor game would be a reskin God of War, um, 2018, and. Yeah, you make a like a Hawkeye game that's sort of like a modern war Call of Duty modern war territory thing, only you're using bows. And you've got different bows and different types of, of arrows and stuff like that. Make it Assassin's Creed style. But you make you just make hopefully you, different enough. You make a Black Widow game that's like Splinter Cell. Because Ubisoft's not <laughs> right, you yourself gonna make it. And so on. And what you do is you make all these games, and then you make an Avengers game where you can play each mission from any perspective. So the Hulk has sort of like the whole mission to play around in and smash stuff and throw stuff. Iron Man has like a flying segment. Black Widow has a stealth section, etc. And so you can you would play each mission. You could you could just play the whole campaign as Hulk or you could stop and go back and see all the different perspectives. And then you can have a story that all comes together when you've seen all of the different perspectives and that kind of thing. Anyway, it's a really cool game. Nobody's going to make it. <laughs> and <laughs> well, that's not... Know. And that was what I was hoping. I saw Avengers. I was like, oh, this is going to be like the Avengers game, I imagine, where you have all these different well, we don't stuff. know enough. We don't know. We don't know enough. But it sounds like it's not going to be that. Well, and I'm going to cry one singular tear for my gonna be something. Con game concept. Which... You know what? We should see if we get signed up for the beta. We should. Yeah. Uh, if it's going to be a PS4 beta. I'll have to look that up. It is going to be a PS4 beta, I think. So, uh, that's right. It's going to have PS4 exclusive content. Oh, boy. Now that Destiny doesn't have it. Oh, boy. Um, look, I can't even get away with not mentioning Destiny. Uh, but, the Witcher! But, <laughs> but the, 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 the game looks interesting, but there's not enough info. But at the same time... As I said, three pillars because of all the things Square, uh, Square Enix showed, let's face it, a Marvel Avengers game is going to get a lot of attention, just like Marvel Spider-Man did with um, with Sony, 
And, I mean, you talk about a shared universe, there's still a possibility, because if you remember in Spider-Man, if you go to Avengers Tower, he makes note that they're on the West Coast, and where is the game? It's in San, San Francisco. Francisco. So maybe, even though they have to deal with Sony exclusivity for Spider-Man. So, you know what? That's the exclusive That's DLC. The new, I, I think I said that in one of our messages, that Spider-Man is... It's going to be the exclusive DLC be, right, for Marvel's Sony Avengers. Exclusive. That would actually be... Amazing. I don't know if I would... No, not spectacular either. Uh, that would be... Um, that would certainly not be Friendly Neighborhood in terms of consumer... Certainly not Friendly Neighborhood. But, but it, still, it's going to be something. Cool because I have a PS4. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to send you links on Facebook this time. I have the Treehouse videos. No, I'm oh, going to see Treehouse video. videos. Because there's some of this stuff get... looking real... You need to see more of Luigi's Mansion. Your kid's going to love it. Yeah, we're going to we have to get more in-depth with that. Um, did they show so, any Panzer Dragoon? Uh, not during the treehouse that I could see, no. It's funny because there's some stuff that they could have shown, and then other stuff, like, they showed Trials of Mana, the remake of the third game, which I All didn't right. know was a third game. I thought it was a new one. But we'll get more into that next week. <laughs> uh, uh, same bad time, same bad station. Same bad iTunes subscription. So, hey, <laughs> uh, everyone, good night. Have a good night.